Life is messy. And I say that in a way that could be kind of a good thing, but lots of times it can be very stressful because when our life is messy, we feel out of control and not comfortable and it's hard. The good kind of messy is like when you're doing art and you got all your stuff laid out or you're playing with your toys or you're remodeling something and it's full of a mess and it's kind of that good mess before um, it, you know, it's kind of a, it's, you know what I mean by a good mess? I'm getting all stumbled up with my words, but that's not unusual. But you know, you start cleaning something and it gets messier before it gets all organized. Well, today we are going to talk about the messiness of life and how we worry and how stress is impacting us and how our mental health has been in jeopardy a lot lately. And sometimes we just don't talk about it enough. And there is some real good news when your friend is Jesus. So stick with me and we are going to talk about an interesting story and hopefully figure out a way to live through this messy life of ours. Hi friends, I am Chrissy Bakke. I'm the hippie Christian who cares and my life is messy for sure. In fact, my podcasts lately have been a little bit messy. I was off script last week and I'm off script this week, but I still want to do it because I really do care and there's always something to say and to talk about and bring us together in unity and you know, we're more alike than we are different. And so I just think if we can talk about those kinds of things and get some solutions from the one who really cares about us, then that's a good, good thing. So stick with me while I deliver a very messy podcast today. But I also think I had a different point. (laughs) But that happens too. So I was thinking, oh, I know what I was going to say, was that I was totally going to be all about, you know, maybe when we try to be perfect, but boy, I was struggling with that because I don't do perfection very well because I am so off base on practically everything I do that perfection's just not my thing. So it was a hard topic, but I think really more. It was more about stress and worry. And when we don't live up to what we want to do and want to be. So it really came down to this whole idea of a messy life. And I know all of you have had some situations that are messy. And I'd like to say, I hope not, but we just live in a world that's full of messy people and messy lives and messy conditions. And so as I was looking towards my source of all truth and all goodness, who is Jesus, I came to this story that is so out of the blue and out of the Bible. Um, I don't typically call my Bible blue though, but um, it's just not a story people talk about that much. And so 
It's Mark chapter 9, and it starts at verse 17, and we're going to go to verse 29. A man, a man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, it often, it has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and, and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciple asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. Whoa, crazy story. Am I right? There is a whole chapter in Mark dedicated. That's not completely true. Sorry. There is a big, long paragraph, not the entire chapter. In Mark, Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 25, and it goes all the way to verse 34, telling us not to worry. And it's good because it is Jesus talking, and if he says not to worry, we shouldn't worry. And he ends it on, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And it's interesting because each day has enough trouble of its own. T Jesus is straight up telling us that every day there's going to be something that you could worry about. Every day there's going to be trouble. Every day there's going to be some sort of issue or problem, right? And just that in and of itself tells us that life is absolutely messy and there's going to be a mess every single day. So don't think that your list is going to get done or your organized shelf of plastic and Tupperware. You're going to be able to find all the lids. There's nothing worse than that, right? Oh, yeah. I, dr I drive people crazy because I have a silverware drawer that does not have an organizer in it. I just throw silverware in it, right? Who cares? Because why organize it? It's just going to be crazy anyways. Figure it out. Same with like um, plasticware. Um, I'm telling you, Cool Whip is the way to go because you can always find the Cool Whip lid to fit the Cool Whip container. 
every single time. But when you start doing like Tupperware and Rubbermaid and all that kind of stuff, great products, not dogging them at all. But for heaven's sakes, you can't find the lids. It's so frustrating. So Jesus says, you're not going to be able to find the lids in life. That's just the way it is. But he tells us not to worry. The interesting thing, though, is he does give us tools to help us. And you probably are like, hey, 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 what about that story in Mark that you were talking about that you have just now skipped over? Well, I'm coming back to it as soon as I can actually turn my Bible's page back to it because I moved to Matthew and then did not put a bookmark in Mark chapter 9. So let's seriously go back to that. But I want to t tell you about the worry thing because what had happened to this guy is his kid is possessed. So every single day, that's his trouble. He has trouble every day because his kid is going into convulsions and he is getting thrown into fire and water and these demons are trying to drown him and burn him and all kinds of crazy stuff day after day after day. And so this guy has a lifetime, meaning his child, of worry that has been building up. And he clearly has heard about Jesus and he comes and Jesus isn't there, but his disciples are. And he's like, hey, you guys, you've been around Jesus, like help, help my kid. And they can't do it. And so Jesus there's some arguing going on and Jesus comes up and he's like, Hey, what are you guys talking about? And the guy's like, yeah, here, I'll tell you. And it's interesting because Jesus gets kind of annoyed. Oh, unbelieving generation. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And I think that he's saying to his disciples, like, Hey guys, you're not, you're not there yet. And you're, you're not, fully invested in who I am as Jesus and, and all that I'm going to give you to minister to these people. Like, ha, ah, I'm not going to be here forever. Like, let's get it figured out, guys. So that sort of like pointed to them. Chris Bakke's interpretation for those who are better educated or have other thoughts, I welcome them. But that's sort of my thought on that. And so they bring the boy and the devil instantly goes nuts because that's what happens. The devil does not like to be in the presence of Jesus Christ because Jesus is God. And, he, and Jesus is like, whoa, how long has he been like this? And he says from childhood. And then he tells him that it's throwing him into the fire and into the water, trying to kill him. And the dad says, but, and you know, it's that whole big butt syndrome. And I'm not talking about, do these genes make my butt look big? It is when we say, but, that it negates what we said prior to that. So you're asking Jesus for help. And then you say, but can you do something for him? And you're basically saying, I don't even know if you can. And Jesus says, if you can, if, like, are you just rolling the dice and coming to me? And Jesus says the coolest thing ever. 
everything is possible for him who believes. Everything is possible for him who believes. I am 100% convicted of that quote. I, I believe, but do I worry? Am I stressed out? Have I had a few real bad days of stress eating because I'm nervous about something? I'm waiting for God to answer a prayer and I'm, I believe, but I also am human and sinful and oh my goodness. And this tells me everything is possible for him who believes. Wow, that is really, really comforting. But and and the boy's dad at that moment kind of gets it and he exclaims, like, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Like my heart is pounding and my brain is whirling and I'm super stressed out and my child is hurting and I can't do anything. Like I see this happening and nobody's been able to help him. And I came to you because you're Jesus. I believe, but I'm freaking out because I don't, I don't know what to do. I'm human and I'm sinful. And I just, I, I believe, help me, God, help me overcome my unbelief. And that is so true. We can't, we can't even say we believe in God without God's help. Crazy, right? We need that Holy Spirit in us to like wrestle it up, um, lift it up, to encourage it up, to counsel it and guide it and help us. And so I believe help me in my unbelief is an amazing prayer when we are worrying so much. This isn't the only place that Jesus helps us understand the power that he has to help us with worry and stress and sickness and mental health issues and addiction and stress eating and gossip and all the things that we do in this crazy, messy life of ours. Throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, there's all kinds of encouragement that comes. Jesus himself in Matthew 11, um, verse 28 says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Oh, wow, that is awesome. He goes on to say, take my, take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We want rest for our souls. In 1 Peter 5.7, he says, Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Giving, giving God those anxious thoughts 
Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but for me, because I know Jesus, and it's so easy to get to know him. So in if anybody listens and you are not a believer, try getting to know Jesus. Because when you get to know Jesus, this idea of a peace that surpasses all understanding is unbelievable. It is standing in the midst of chaos, in the midst of uncertainty, and having your heart feel calm and your mind not racing and a comfort. And even though you are standing in the middle of life's messiness, you're not overwhelmed. And it's unbelievable. And Jesus even says, um, he, he, he had previous said before that was written in, what did I say? That was from Philippians. That's just reiterating that when Jesus was here with, with us, as if I was there 2,022 years ago, but he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let your hearts, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He says he's going to give us peace, but it's not like the cool peace sign that we flip up, you know, when we're like, peace. No, it's not like the world gives us. It's peace that is from above. It is peace from God. And that is super awesome and super crazy. And so I also want to share that we often think of Psalm 23 um, at funerals. It's the Lord is my shepherd. I'm just going to read the first six verses because it's huge and it's not just about somebody on their deathbed. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and staff they comfort me, and you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Think about that when you are stressed out, that you have Jesus as your shepherd, you have Jesus as your guide, right? You think about a shepherd and crazy sheep, and have you ever seen a sheep brain? It's, they're really tiny. So if you really want, if you're really mad at somebody and you want to say you think that they're small-minded, you just call them a sheep. But don't do that because calling names is not good. It's a bad thing. We are not we're going to try to be good people, not bad people. We're going to try to be kind, okay? That's how we're going to change the world. So don't call people sheep brain. But sheep do have tiny little brains, and so they need a shepherd. And we often have tiny little brains. And so 
here's Jesus, your shepherd. And he says, I shall not, he doesn't say I shall not want. David says, I shall not want, meaning Jesus is going to give us everything. He makes me lie down in green pastures, which means he gives me all the things that I need, my food and drink. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul like he gives us rest. And then he leads me in paths of righteousness. He is going to point us on that path that is the good path. And sometimes we're going to walk through a valley. And sometimes it'll actually be the valley of the shadow of death. And sometimes it'll just feel like death warmed over, right? You've heard that saying before. But we don't have to be scared. We don't have to fear evil. Even though the devil is crouching at your doorstep, there's our good shepherd with his rod and his staff that comfort me, that, you know, lead us in the right direction, that poke us and prod us to say, mm -mm, not that path. But this next part, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Just like the kid in the story who is overcome by an actual demon, there is Jesus in the presence of that enemy, and he is going to anoint this kid's head with oil and give him blessings that are overflowing. Uh, we often can refer to that table that he prepares before us as the feast of his body and his blood that he would shed for us and that we take when we take communion. And oh my goodness, it is such a beautiful, beautiful thing to be able to take communion and know that that is Jesus preparing a meal for us in this messy, messy world that we live in. And so I love the fact that he says everything is possible for him who believes. And the dad says, I do believe, help me in my unbelief. The, the dad is so honest. He's like, I get it. But I'm here right in front of you and help me because I'm just like, I'm, this is my kid. And so he, Jesus saw that a crowd was running to, to the scene and he rebuked the evil spirit. And I think maybe he like did it right then and there just so that it wasn't like this big, you know, spectacle parade thing. Not really sure on that. And he says, you deaf and mute spirit, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. And then of course, the spirit shrieks and um, a couple of the people are like, mm, he's dead because he looked like a corpse. Well, yeah, hello, have a demon living inside of you come out. I'm pretty sure you're going to feel pretty depleted like what just happened. But Jesus lifts him by the hand, um, took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. When Jesus went inside with his disciples, they're like, why couldn't we do that? And he said, this kind can come out only by prayer. And I think that right there is a big, big solution for all of us. Prayer is the start of changing what is happening in our world and in our moment. If we are in prayer which is nothing more than a conversation with 
God, right? A conversation with Jesus, a conversation with the Holy Spirit. If we're in conversation with the one who created us, that's going to be the start of changing our unbelief into belief. There are lots of other super helpful sort of what feels like self-help, but it's really God help in the Bible. In fact, all the self-help books out there really stem from what God gives us to deal with our messy lives. I like Romans 12, 12 that says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Talks about patience and rejoicing, uh, but it also says constant in prayer. On a little sidebar, Proverbs 17, 22, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. So true. Think about times when your spirit has been crushed. So many times things that have happened and grief is one that just can crush our spirit. And sometimes it just does feel like you are a bag of dry bones that just has nothing left. But God doesn't leave us and he comforts the broken heart. I like the first part of it. A joyful heart is good medicine. Anybody coming up with laughter is good medicine. So true. Do you love laughing? I love laughing so hard. I come from a family and you can't deny it. My cousin Randy is a listener. Hi, Randy. I love you so much. Um, and of course, I always throw in my sister Susie, kind of like Cliff Howard, except she's really Ron Howard and I'm Cliff Howard. It's just the truth. She's way cooler than I am. And so um, she's the one putting me in the movies, but I just get to do this podcast. So in this case, she gets to be Cliff Howard. But seriously, our family is so, so funny. And then you get like our aunts or our uncles together and they, I mean, they could have just been a comedy show. They were so great. Sometimes my aunts didn't try to be funny. It was just the way they were talking. You'd just get laughing so hard. They'd be telling stories about when they were little. And if they didn't like somebody, they would run up the stairs and spit down the register on them. Oh my gosh. So naughty, but so super funny and have us laughing so hard. Um, my dad and my uncle Bob and my uncle Paul like seriously, not even like the three stooges because they weren't like goofy. That, well, they were goofy, but they weren't weird. They were just straight out Saturday Night Live, super hilarious. And I think laughing is the best and it makes me laugh so hard when other people laugh. And so one time we had this horrible day, horrible, rotten, no good day at work when I worked um, at a newspaper. And me and another manager just went out on the floor and helped the customer service person answer phones and 
she was the only one there. The other people had called in sick on purpose because they wanted to be mean to her. And we were just going to take lemons and absolutely make lemonade out of it. And so I said, you know what helps a bad day? Laughing. Let's just laugh. <laughs> and so we started doing fake laughing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bad, no matter what. I'm guessing some of you are laughing right now. And if you're not, then what is wrong with you? Because come on, let, fake laughing, hilarious. I promise you, if you sit around and have everybody do a fake laugh within one minute, everybody will be laughing. And some people just are intimidated to do it. Yeah, because I just sounded pretty stupid, right? And yet it's funny. Laughing is so, so, so much fun. And it is so good for us. A joyful heart is good medicine. Rejoicing in hope. Rejoicing and laughing and gratitude. And hope can be substituted out with Jesus. Like rejoicing in a God who loves us so much. Being patient in tribulation. It doesn't mean that just because you laugh your day away that the problems of the world are going to go away. There's probably still going to be a pandemic tomorrow, no matter how hard we laugh today. But if we're patient and we, and we rejoice in our hope and we're constant in our prayer, I absolutely believe that God will take care of this pandemic in it. And for that prayer, I say, God, help me in my unbelief. Sorry, I snuck in the commercial without even warning you, but it's just good to know how I do this podcast, and it's kind of fun. I appreciated being able to learn how to do it all by myself, and I clearly am not the best at it, but it's still fun. So thanks for listening to that. I'm hoping that this story puts life into perspective for you. All of us have stuff going on. And honestly, when I read this story, and sometimes even when I talk to my friends and my family and watch the news and read stories of things, I'm reminded that the stress that I have, oh my gosh, it's stuff that I should be grateful for. It should be stuff that I'm not even worried at all. You know, if you're worried about work and what you do, or if you're worried about your family or my goodness, I have a family, I have a job, I have food to eat and clothes to wear, and I am super duper lucky and I am grateful. So I do need to look at that as solid indication that God is so present in my life. And it doesn't mean that he's not present in your life if you have problems because life is messy. And so we all have stuff, and some of the stuff is really, really hard when we stick 
with Jesus, we will get through it. We will be able to handle it. And he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And our way isn't always his way. And that's, I think, sometimes what scares me is, what if God has a different path than the one I think I should go on? Well, really, if I think about it, wouldn't I rather go on God's path than mine? Like, that just makes way more sense. Type in, like, pray for, like, how many times the word prayer it is or pray is in the Bible? Wow. Hundreds upon hundreds of verses. And so I'm going to just give you food for thought on life being messy and three things that we can really take with us this week until next week. Be joyful always pray continually, and give thanks. I didn't make those up. They come from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Every once in a while, I have to delete a portion of this podcast because it's ridiculous. I wanted to, I want to end today on like this special note, and it just reminded me of when Donnie and Marie got to the end of their show and they sang the song "May Tomorrow Be a Perfect Day," and it was just lovely and. They said, may God keep you in his tender care till he brings us together again. And like, you're like, bye, Donnie and Marie. Well, I can't sing. And every time I try, it's just embarrassing. So I deleted that and I'm going to save you for that. But I am going to do something special that I haven't done in my podcast before. And that is to pray. And I am going to just say, dear Heavenly Father, you are the God of control. You are the God of organization. You are the God of everything on this earth. You have created it and created us in your image. And somehow we still have unbelief and we're sorry. We do believe. Help us in our unbelief. Give us joy always. Help us to pray continually and help us to give thanks in all circumstances because we know that Jesus is our Savior. So with that, I do hope all of you have a perfect day today and tomorrow. Take that, Donnie and Marie.